The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VFM 88.1 for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news uh, right here. Broadcasting from our studios in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mudio Mob Justice Kavas and I'll be your host until about 8 p.m. So then make sure you hold on to your seats. Who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining yet informing at the same time? So for today's show, we are going to be talking about... Um, something that's sort of near and dear to all of us and that is the African economy uh, we all can agree that uh, uh, the, that there's a slight nuance uh, that the power and strength that lies in the unity of Africa and even in light of uh, the recent attacks uh, here in South Africa which we focused on in our last show many leaders have echoed the sentiments uh, that a united Africa uh, would be something that uh, we should be striving towards and uh, something that would help us to build more sustainable um, economy. So that's what we're going to be looking at. What What is uh, the state of the African economy at the moment and uh, what does regional integration look like? So for today, that's uh, as I said, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be having a telephonic conversation uh, with... Um, one of the nation's uh, foremost young economists, that is Kwanti Pai, and he is an economist and director at Nascent's Advisory, and we're going to be talking to him about the state of the African economy and free trade zones as well. So that's how the show is going to be looking like. Uh, we are here, as I said, until about 8 p.m. Otherwise, on the other side of this, we're going to be getting into uh, the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news with our financial expert, that is and then after that we tell you the state of your 100 rand in our buffalo index remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us we are voice of vits uh, that's uh, on social media uh, that's of our fm or voice of vits and then you can also find our other facebook page that is a vits radio academy and then on twitter we're at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz remember that uh, you can also stream the session live on vowfm.co.za and remember that podcasts of the business buzz show are available on vits.journalism forward slash business. So that's how the show is looking like. Uh, we're going to be here uh, for the next hour, so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Wrap with Sanele Kunene. It's time for us to get into that part of the show. We give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And uh, this week we have our financial expert that is Zanele Kunene on the line, giving us a roundup of what's been happening this week in and around the world of business and the economy. How are you, Zanele? I am feeling as unanimous, like a unanimous vote from the reverse <laughs> day. <laughs> yeah. I love the solidarity they show. Um, in July of this year, when they were cutting the interest rate, there was a unanimous vote. Um, they cut it by 0.25 basis points. And what that meant is that by the end of the month, your um, car installments, all your loans, they all costed you a slightly a bit cheaper, you know. And now we they've reached another unanimous vote um, by keeping the interest rate as is at about 6.5%. Um, but with that being said, I just want to add that the local economy requires more than just an interest rate cut or just an unchanged um, interest rate um, to see any significant or sustainable growth, you know. We need to start looking at um, structural reforms in terms of 
structural reforms as well as policies, you know, that will show or help grow the interest in business and also now learn to feel like, feel or, or be confident enough to expand their businesses, you know. We also need to look at other ways to tackle unemployment. I know I sound like a recorder as I say this, um, but we need to find a way of how do we tackle employment. You know, we cannot look, um, look at it from a traditional sense in terms of where we think that majority of the jobs can come from corporate or they will come from government because already we can see now that government does not have the capacity, you know, to create that kind of employment. And corporate now, as you've seen with how technology has been growing, they are looking at how they could give more of an output with less amount of people. So we cannot expect big corporations as well as government to, you know, to fill up, to, to take in um, unemployed individuals. We need to look at other measures on how we could create sustainable and sustainable employment. We also need, need to look at the education system, you know. Um, I was watching Morning Live and this man brought quite a, a different perspective. He was saying we need to look at education or define what education means. You know, does it mean um, what kind of quali- qualification does it mean? What kind of skills, you know, does it, what does is, what is education mean, you know, to us and to our economy? You know, what are we doing? What are we giving or feeding our learners and our students? Have we just taken the blackboard and placed it on a tablet and said, okay, this is different. No, it's not exactly the same thing in a different format. You know, we need to tackle how we, uh, our education system and how we, how are we growing our, our, our future? Are we creating or are we giving skills for the jobs of the future in that sense? We also need to look at um, how government needs to intervene in the economy in a meaningful manner. Yeah. You know, within that interview, they were speaking about, is South Africa ready for a post-mining economy? Because mining is not going to be one of the biggest sectors in the coming years. You know, how are we supporting other sectors that are helping our economy? How are we growing those sectors? Because mining is not going to be the be, you know, the be all that, that grows our GDP. You know, he also, you know, he also mentioned so many interesting facts there. He spoke about how we need to um, look at placing conditions on foreign investment. You know, what are we, are we just going to bring money in with no condition? Like, what conditions can we place on them that we know that we are benefiting from that investment besides the financial gain? But, you know, how else could we use, um, how else we could use foreign investment? And I know that, you know, all these reforms that I'm mentioning and how we're going to tackle unemployment, these plans and these um, uh, ways to tackle these issues are not going to be solved in like 12 months. I understand that. It's a long-term plan, and that's why it's very important for us to support government right now. What is, know what this plan is, because it's not going to happen overnight. Us changing leaders is not going to, you know, grow our GDP by like 3.2% in the next five years, every year consecutively. Yeah. So that's not how it works. We need a plan that we can stick by. Just to speak about um, the inflation rate, since I spoke about the interest rate, um, the inflation rate rose by uh, 4.3%. Okay. And economists had expected it to grow by 4.2%. And where we, where we saw the growth was in bread and, bread and cereals. Housing and utilities also grew by 5.3%. But this is largely due to the price of electricity. And I just want to stress this because it's very important. We need to continue the conversation in terms of what's happening with ESCOM. You know, I know that media is not speaking about it as much, but we need to speak about it. You know, we need to 
as South Africa, we need to have the ability to continue the conversation and make these things relevant because they are relevant in our speech. You know, we need to put these things in newsletters and, you know, educate everyone like what's happening in our economy. Yeah. You know, let's continue the conversation about violence against women, about the xenophobic attacks that we spoke about last month in terms of how those um, impact business and how it, how it impacts South Africa's reputation. Let's continue speaking about um, corruption with all the inquiries that we're having this keep that conversation going. Just to speak about the RAND, the RAND is at 14 RAND 75, well, between the 1470 and 1485 bracket. And what we need to know about this is that when the RAND is more than 13 RAND, it is undervalued, meaning it costs cheaper than it's supposed to. When we look at the Big Mac index, but we look at the calculation that includes the GDP per capita, it shows that um, the South African rand is 35.2% less than it should be. So if you were to go to the States, you would pay a good 35.2% more for a Big Mac burger than you would here. So that also shows how weak, um, the, the, how undervalued, I mean, the RAND currently is. Um, the Reserve Bank also, within their notes, they mentioned that um, in the absence of shocks, meaning, you know, the global trade um, tension growing is crazy, yeah. in the absence of those shocks, the relative exchange rate stability is expected to, to continue. Okay. It's to remain unstable. So, yeah, so we're just hoping that everything um, goes well within our country, that we focus on our local policy, um, how we fix our domestic issues, we focus on our growth, we deal with our levels of debt, and also that we look out for November when Moody relooks everything, and they let us, let us know what our credit rating is. Um, you know, let's get our things together, you know? <laughs> so that was us on the line uh, with Zane Lekunene telling us um, of everything that's been going on this week in terms of uh, the week's top trending business and economics news. As you heard, some of the big stories, uh, we were talking about the RAND, and she's saying that uh, she feels that the RAND is undervalued at the moment. And the other one... Um, the big news of the day is just the fact that uh, the South African Reserve Bank as uh, a monetary policy committee that's uh, the committee that uh, basically decides on interest rates so basically the rate at which uh, you're going to get credit or uh, lending borrowing loans and the like uh, that's where it's coming from and they've decided to keep rates steady uh, so that's been it in terms of uh, the business wrap on the other side of this we get into the state of your 100 rand Business Wrap with Zanele Kunen. The Buffalo Index on the Business Bus. It's time for us to get into the state of your 100 rand. And since we are discussing the African economy, I decided perhaps we should be looking at, uh, you know, how to dress African or, you know, one of uh, the African attire, African print has become quite popular. So we decided to look at uh, one of the staples. And this one is uh, today I'm very gender biased. I just decided to just look at the shikis as uh, they pertain to, to, to men. I just thought it was just a simple one uh, simply because I know that a lot of the time uh, the ladies want to have bespoke outfits that are made they want to go buy material a lot of the ladies I know that are into African attire and African print will go out buy the material and actually have a tailor make an outfit to their exact specification so I know that men on the other hand we operate a bit differently so I decided let's see you know what a ready-made dashiki looks like um, 
for a man right now in terms of your 100 rand and uh starting off now uh, you know i went to you know ebay you know I, I was like let's let's see what's going on on the international stage and you can see that uh firstly um i think on the top end of life you have an embroidered uh a white dashiki with short sleeves uh it's called uh, short african clothing and that one is coming in at uh, around uh, eight eight and a half buffaloes that's 878 rand and then you come in with uh men's uh another short sleeved um dashiki slightly different pattern about one buffalo short of that that's 731 rand and then uh you have beauty fine uh they have a men's dashiki and they actually call it a top blouse and uh it's for their winter it's their autumn winter luxury african print and this one is long sleeve and uh, that one is coming in at close to five buffaloes as 479 rand and then lastly we have what they call a hippie tribal african dashiki uh blouse are for men so it's very interesting some of the wording that's being used uh, for some of these things and that's coming in at two and a half buffaloes at 236 rand so if you want yourself uh, some nice african attire as a man uh, that's what is going to be setting you back i think if you want to go and make a, dis- a bespoke outfit though um the last time i checked if you want a standard uh, uh, piece of uh, material uh, african print you're going to be looking at a around 300 rand so that's been it in terms of our buffalo index on the other side of this we get into our main topic keep it locked this is the business buzz on the business buzz Welcome back. So this is the Business Buzz and uh, today we are talking about the African economy. We're talking about uh, regional integration. We're talking about uh, the nascent power uh, that could be um, in the African economies. We have seen that there are a lot of uh, Western powers, a lot of countries that are trying to invest in Africa. It's seen as this uh, final frontier, an area of growth, an emerging market. Uh, so that's what our discussion is going to be about. So you remember that you can keep in touch with us on Facebook. We have our FM that's Voice of Vits, and you can also find our other Facebook page that is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. So, uh, as we get into our discussion just around the African economy, we thought this was an important topic to be covering, especially um, given our last show where we spoke about some of the xenophobic violence that uh, actually happened and had been sparked here in Hauteng which also then resulted in some retaliatory violence in other African countries where um, locals were going after South African businesses. So we want to talk about uh, some of the power, uh, some of the potential that lies in the continent. And on the line, we are joined by uh, one of the most uh, sort of prominent and preeminent uh, young economists in South Africa right now. Uh, that is Tlanti Pai, who is an economist and director at uh, uh, Nascent's Advisory. And he He's going to be talking to us about that. Am I pronouncing uh, Nason's advisory correctly? Very well. I mean, it's actually, it depends on when I guess on the accent. But I'm not, I'm not so young anymore. But uh, <laughs> thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I think it, I, I, I think in the context of uh, you know Africanism, you're very young. but uh can you just tell us uh you know for those uh, people that may not know who you are what's going on at uh, nascent's advisory and what sort of work uh, are you are you usually involved in 
Really, I mean, I think much of it is research, you know, and strategy. So basically, people, um, I think, you know, maybe it's better to start from the beginning. And it's um, the main thing I've come from banking for the most part of my career. And um, as I was developing, I started to get into more research. So economists really do research and so answering the questions that people are interested in. And I suspect the most important one is um, the idea that um, we should have our own kind of research, our own kind of thinking, so that we do better. Yeah. And so that's um, the main bit. And then, of course, answering the questions about, you know, market entry, try to do better. So that's mainly the thing. And what type of areas are you focused in? Is it uh, macro, well, micro, country most, risk? Well, it depends what you mean by that. I think it's always been interesting. In <laughs> people think, you know, macroeconomics is a part of our trends and what people are doing, the economy, inflation, interest rates, you know, uh, employment. But there's also parts that actually lead to the macro dynamics, right? So I think in one sense, you think about if you're selling a business and that business. The, the business does. We do apologize for that uh, small technical difficulty. We were on the line uh, with Clanty, and he was just uh, giving us um, some of his insights into how the micro actually uh, gets into the macro dynamic. Is that correct? Is that where the conversation was that's, going? That's right. I would say first of all, pay your bills. <laughs> but I think the most important thing is to realize, of course, that the micro is the thing that actually does the micro. Yeah. I, I want to make an example because I think in South Africa, for the longest time, we've discussed and I think in the rest of the continent, the idea that in order to create employment, we must first create growth. Of course, employment is this thing in which we in, in individuals must actually get work. Yeah. And then if they get work, then we are, and you know, must get work. So basically, we must grow the economy and then people will get work. But actually, if you start with the micro in which we actually fix the micro dynamic, then the micro dynamic takes for itself. So if you and I were working every day and we wake up and you do the show that you do and it attracts a number of people, and it creates value. That value is what we add up to say that the economy is growing, and that becomes the macro. Yeah. If I do well in my business, then it's what we add up to say that we are actually in the micro, we do the macro. And I think that's the dynamic that we're trying. So much of the stuff we do sometimes is sort of looking at people who are trying to get into the cell phone industry, how many people are in self doing, you know, producing cell phones, uh, how is the new entry uh, uh, is going to um, work that out? And then, of course, there's all the stuff that people care about who want to invest in South Africa. So an agricultural person will say, how is the agricultural sector growing? How is the South African economy growing? Yeah. And those things work together in the sense that it's not, not only enough to, for us to say the economy is growing at 1%. We must actually disaggregate it so that nobody actually comes to invest in the whole of our economy. People come to invest in parts of our economy. So yeah. you have money to invest in telecoms, you have money to invest in agriculture, you have money to invest in people, you have money to invest in communities. Yeah. And that's the part of the micro that adds up to the micro. And so I think it's very, and actually, and in the discussion that I suppose you guys invited me in is to talk about Africa. Yes. But Africa is about over 50 economies, <laughs> very diverse. Yeah. And so it is about actually the individual economies and how they interact with each other and how we're actually going to get to Africa. But Africa is not a unit, as we've tried to say. And actually, I think it's a mistake and probably a tragedy that we tell people, first of all, don't call us Africa. We are all different. Then at the same time, we talk to them about Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's quite interesting.
So where are where are we as uh, those? Uh, I think the last time I checked is it fifty three or fifty four um, individual? Yeah. yeah, individual economies. That is going because of the splitting of the Sudan. Yes. Look, I think that the important thing here is that the last development I think that is in the context of Africa is this um, the African Free Trade Agreement in which. African states said, and at least I think now it's in about almost 30, maybe between 20 and 30, have agreed that we should have a single market, much like what the Europeans have. And we should say, look, if you are producing, Afri- Africans should actually allow goods to flow freely amongst our states, um, and that we think is an important thing. Because much of the discussion that we've had for over many, many years, since I've been an economist for many, many years, has been that as individual countries, there are many small countries in the uh, in in africa there are many there are some big ones you know of course you think about nigeria i suppose if you think about egypt south africa these are big countries but the small countries can do very well in accessing the big market as the continent this is also something we've learned from the european in europe there are very small countries there are big countries but the benefit has been the large markets in which all of us benefit because in the world of trade we all say if I can access a big market, but I have a product that nobody else can, or I have an ability that nobody else has, then we actually are very good together if we actually trade with each other and actually we allow our markets to be open. That's very important. So this development in which we have this um, you know, Africa Free Trade Agreement is important in the sense that it opens up much like what we've been saying, that we want a single market, we want single development and then we can actually make sure that we do things together because I suppose also if we can imagine that Africans have some level of unity, why don't we extend that to our own complete destiny in the sense of market? I think that's an important part about that. Yeah. And so if you ask how are we doing, you know, <laughs> each country does differently, um, you know, and I suppose also one wants to say at the same time that if you think about some countries, there are some countries that are growing faster than others, five percent, three percent, six percent, and then with South Africa, one percent or less, and some other countries that are doing so. It's all very different dynamics. What I think is important is how we actually think about that in the bigger scheme of things. Because of course, they're all different sizes. You know, three percent in one percent growth in South Africa actually might be, in real terms, three uh, percent in. In, in Kenya because of the size of the economy. Yeah. So we are, if we are comparing properly, we should not actually use those things. But how do we actually work together um, in what they call competitive and comparative advantage? But we actually can work together to do better, especially if we think about you know the opportunities that exist. Actually, on that point, I want to perhaps bring you back to something that you said at the start just around how um, the micro then turns into the macro because on the ground, um, at least on a high level, it sounds good to say that um, we need to have uh, you know these free trade agreements and to have um, free movement of goods and the like. But on the ground, how practical is you know such a thing if um, xenophobia, for example, is uh, is 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 currently a reality, or um, if um, visa restrictions make it hard for for movement to actually happen on the continent, and also. 
just the the another point which you which you made which i think is very important is just the fact that you have all these different individual economies and they're all growing at different rates some you know might prop up the whole system and others might drag the whole system down i think there are two things the first one is of course that if we understand that we are not the only ones who are facing this problem of so-called xenophobia you look at BRICS, for example yeah you know the british are saying they want to move out of the european system because they are uh, you know there's polish and other eastern european countries are taking their jobs and they are <laughs> overwhelming their countries so BRICS is a result exactly of what we call xenophobia. So it isn't anything different than that. It was the British people saying, we want autonomy. We don't want these people invading us and they are taking our opportunities. That's the one thing. We have the same problem in which uh, Trump has been actually taken over. When Trump says, oh, you know, make America great again, he's really saying, take out all these other immigrants who are taking out, you know, local jobs. Take out even their trade partners that are taking our jobs. So... It's not a South African and African problem. It's a global problem, you know, what some people call the rise of the ultra-right and all of these things. So we are not alone in facing this problem. And I think this is a particularly important thing that we must think about because it is a mistake to think we are facing anything that the world is not facing. Mm. So that's one thing. The second bit is then we say, okay, now that we know that, how do we correct for it? One of the key things is that one of the things, for example, Germany uh, is a big economy in Europe and has had the most benefit, and then other countries have not so well benefited. How are we going to make sure that South Africa can trade properly with everybody else and the Nigerians and the Angolans and the Mozambicans and the smaller countries in East Africa, for example? And the point is we must create the infrastructure and share industrialization in such a way that because South Africa is a big industrialized country, what can it do? in solidarity to develop other countries um, where they are successful. Also, some countries, for example, in Central Africa, where there's water and arable land, can actually export the agricultural products to South Africa that is much more developed in manufactured goods, which is different from the oil exporting countries and petroleum, not just crude oil, petroleum. And the Kenyans who seem to be very far ahead in technology, all of these things are important, so we can actually find ways in which we can do better together, but we play to our strengths and we have a single market. So these are discussions we should have about how we're going to split the pie, how we're going to make sure that we actually at the same time develop and make sure that we play to our strengths and that we have a single market that does allow us to be big and to compete. Let me give you an example. Yeah. I'm hoping we don't run out of time. For this. <laughs> um, so the... The, the, Europe, the Americans own uh, the company Boeing, which is the aircraft manufacturer. Yeah. And the Europeans want to compete. And then they realize, like, look, the Americans have, at the time, I think it might have been 200 million Americans, but they can't compete with Boeing. So they decide, okay, we want an airline as well. And their airline becomes what we now know as Airbus. Airbus was, was not going to be successful in Europe as in one country. So they decided, look, we let's have a, a European company called Airbus, and Germany will, will produce these parts, uh, France will produce this, this, and then in all of that, they produce these aeroplanes, and these aeroplanes fly around their region. And suddenly they've got a big enough market, and actually all of them share the producing of the parts and creating of this big uh, um, aircraft manufacturer. Yeah. And 
therefore are able to compete with America so that actually realize that actually this amazing uh, partnership between countries was able to actually play a big role and actually be able to manufacture and also sell tickets and do all of those things, create jobs, because they work together. And I think we might need models like that that are, allow us to take advantage of the fact that we might have smaller countries that can't by themselves actually be scalable, but working together we can create scale yeah. and be able to be competitive. These are the kinds of things we should be doing and should be thinking about in the African continent to actually do better. But that, of course, will depend on our politics, and I don't have to tell you anything about that. <laughs> okay, so we're on the line with Quanti, and we just want to take a quick break. We understand that he has some time constraints, so we want to take a quick break, and then on the other side of this, we'll come back to get some of his final thoughts. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. More justice on the business bars. This is the business buzz. We're talking uh, African economy, African regional integration, and on the line we are joined by uh, nascent advisory uh, economist Atlanti Pai. And just before the break, he was giving he gave us a very um, comprehensive example of how the Europeans actually competed um, with uh, Boeing uh, by creating Airbus, which was a pan-European, I think, let me use that term, which was a pan-European effort uh, to actually compete uh, because they realized that uh, no one country in that region could actually compete with such a big powerhouse. So, just trying to draw some type of parallels, I think, uh, Clanty, you can just let us know, what are some of the areas, just from your research, where you think um, such integration is possible amongst African countries? And where do you see investment flowing at the moment, um, either to the continent or in South Africa specifically? Let me give you what you think is a sensible idea. I was invited to do some work for the Department of um, Science and Technology in Space Science. Yeah. Um, we've been involved in space since actually the first we landed on the moon. Really? In provide, yeah, since the 60s. So we, South Africa has a very strong space competence, uh, including what they call, ob, uh, you know, Earth observation. And yeah. So we've got really, really good stuff. Um, and so we participate, and uh, it's, it's, it's really impressive the kind of stuff we can do. Uh, there's even, you know, there's something we call the South African National Space agency, SANSA. If you were listening to it recently, SANSA is trying to get some young people or some engineers to go with them to the Antarctica for about three months mm. to do some of the work that they do then. So it's, we've got a space agency that actually works, and they wanted to fund the space agency. In an interesting way, some of the work that is going on there is to say there's an agreement that has been signed between South Africa, Angola, I think, um, Nigeria, and one other country, I can't remember, I think Nigeria. And in which they say, let's create our, remember satellites. Satellites can do some really important work, from telecommunications to what mm. they call observation, which you can have a satellite that actually takes photographs of ground. That tells you how much water we've got on the ground, yep. the quality of our soil, um, the, pro, uh, the crop yield for farmers, all yeah. of these things. Yeah. Or even taking pictures of to just show if you are at the Department of Housing and you're building houses, are those houses being delivered in the way that you think? You can use it even to calculate um, how many households we've got, so how many houses are on the ground for census purposes. All of these things are possible from the space science. So, 
And then we thought, well, it's very difficult to own a, a, a satellite or satellite constellation by one country. But we could cooperate together as these countries to create the kind of satellites, big, big satellites. We can have nano-satellites and large satellites that look over our area in our oceans and in our land that allows us to give us the kind of data of this kind of nationality. But mm. it's, too, it's very expensive. It's in the billions of dollars. <laughs> so if we work together, yeah. we could actually have this space car, uh, this space, um, what do you call them now, satellites, yeah. that give us this information. And again, in the same way, we would go to the Nigerians. The Nigerians would provide certain techniques and technologies. The South Africans would provide certain parts. The others would provide the groundwork in terms of um, the personnel. And if we all work together and put that together, we would have a particularly powerful space um, complement or space competency that allows us to do all these things. And actually a manufacturing sector to create space products for the rest of the continent on yeah. different values and yeah. manufacturing and operations and, you know, labor and science and all. And also, of course, all, all industries have um, what economists call externalities. So those things that uh, arise even though you did not ex- intend them. Um, and those are important things. So, and that's sort of close to what I was trying to say about uh, the example I was making about Boeing. So those kinds of things we can do. We can, of course, do certain things around, uh, you know, South Africa's, uh, you know, grand scale uh, ability, for example, for infrastructure. Yeah. You know, as opposed to oil, as opposed. So these are the kind of variations we have to have if we're going to make this work. We're not going to be able to, you know, I mean, to do it any other way except to work together. I think the thing is the first step, and we could grow. So well. And then, of course, some of us have better education systems than others. We all know this. Some of us have got skills systems better than others. Some of us have banking systems, technology. All of these things, if we cooperated, it would do really well. And then, and then lastly, where do you see investment uh, investment flows actually going um, when it's, uh, this is more of a South Africa question. Uh, where do you see interest actually lying in the economy, uh, particularly from, we always hear about these foreign investors, but where are uh, foreign flows, do you see foreign flows being directed at the moment? What type of sectors okay. or industries? Well, I mean, mining, the mining sector has always been very important, and I think people are mistaken to think it's not as important as it still is. But then, you know, um, it's different agriculture, and many people are asking questions about agriculture. Yeah. Because, of course, it's, you know, it's about food security across. We've got the land. So I know folks, so for people in the Middle East, Arab countries are looking to invest in agriculture in this country, so are the Chinese. Coal is still a big thing. So there are, we are a very diverse country, and one must not pretend we're just going to focus on one thing. Yeah. But it would be better for us to have a couple of clear places where we're going to focus and in terms of what we promote, and then let others then choose what they think they want. And then, uh, I guess, uh, as we end off, how can people actually get in touch with you? And uh, how can people um, um, maybe have access to some of uh, your research or some of your commentary just around the economy? So I'm reading, I'm I'm developing a new platform that I'm going to use on social media to try and talk about, you know, and externalize the research. But I'm on Twitter at Kandibaye, and so is Facebook, and then I will try... 
uh, over the next uh, couple of months to actually provide a newsletter that will publish uh, on the social media. I will definitely be subscribing to that one. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you so much. That's been us in conversation with Quanti uh, Pai, who is uh, the director at, at Nascent's Advisory. He is an economist. Uh, just telling us uh, some of his thoughts just around uh, regional integration, the African economy, and uh, some of his uh, thoughts just around the fact that in Africa, you can't just paint everything with broad strokes or one uh, brush. You have to look at uh, the different economies, all 54 of them in different ways, because because they all have different uh, strengths, weaknesses. You have different regions, and uh, you have to find a way um, to actually have uh, proper regional integration. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we're going to be, you know, talking a little bit further, and then we'll come to the end of the show. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. We are talking regional integration. We're talking the African economy. Remember that you can keep in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on Facebook. We are VFM. That's Voice of Vits. And you can also find our other Facebook page. That is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So for today's show, uh, we did speak a lot just around what's going on in Africa and how we can make um, the African economy grow and be better. Uh, some thoughts from me personally. I think we need, as Africans, we need to do more just to create a a more together sort of continent. I like what Atlanti said where he said you can't look at all 54 countries now with broad strokes. You have to be able to look at each individual one and see what they can actually contribute to the bigger pie. And I think in large part, you know, people do do that, but it could be done on a, on a better scale. I think the example he gave just around how Airbus was formed to compete um, with um, what's going on in the United States with Boeing was actually a very good example. If I could just use another example, um, I'm just going to switch to a completely different industry and that would be hip-hop for example i think one of the reasons why you see that um niger music or afro beats um, especially particularly from west africa especially nigeria because i understand that when we say afro beats we're talking a continent-wide sound uh, particularly west africa east africa the different regions but just honing in on nigerians um one of the things they've been able to do really right is to take advantage of what what's called a network effect and that's just basically having a lot of people supporting your trade or your craft um if you look at facebook as a business for example facebook has close to two billion users around the world um, because they've got uh, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, sorry. And anytime they can just decide to launch a service and immediately it can have a really large user base simply because of the number of users that Facebook has. Let's say, for example, Facebook decides today that it's going to launch a newspaper. Before anything even happens, people decide whether or not they're going to subscribe. And even if just 5% of uh, Facebook's user base decides that they're going to subscribe for this user base, uh, for this newspaper, sorry, that's already 100 million people. 
right that's already like maybe five or ten countries um across the african continent the entire populations of which um already taking up such a thing so a network effect is quite big so if you look at what's going happened in music uh, the nigerians have been able to create a sound that's been received beyond just their borders which i think is part of the thing that has made them as successful as they are they've created a sound that's not only niche to a particular country but a sound that is well received um in different and different parts of a country in america i follow hip-hop for example and if you see how uh, the sound travel you saw that you have three distinct regions you have uh, the south uh, you have atlanta and the like uh, you have the east that's new york you have the west that's la and in the beginning you had these segregated sounds but it was the artists uh, such as your biggie your tupac who were able to transcend and go uh, across the entire united states that were able to really reach that uh, global level success because you can't just be successful in your own little region if you really want to uh, push an African agenda, for example. So if you're a South African business, uh, pushing into the rest of Africa uh, makes you have that presence. And also, it definitely helps with the bottom line scale, economies of scale and the like. So that's the one of the things that I really think um, would be good. One of the things that Nkosasana Lamini really preached about back in the day when she was chair of the African Union was that there needs to be better access, uh, more free trade, more free movement of goods across the continent as what's been going on in Europe. And I totally support that. But before any of that all also happens, we also need to hold each other to account. My personal thoughts on... Uh, What's been going on with, uh, let's say, xenophobia is that it's just a symptom of a greater problem where African leaders have to have in large part not held each other to account on a number of um, issues. Because where you see people becoming economic migrants, it's because things aren't working in their particular countries. And what are our leaders doing to make sure that each of them is doing what needs to be done to actually make sure that um, their economies are growing, people are being being employed, uh, people are educated and people have something to do. So on the whole, you know, Pan-Africanist, I am definitely there. And I'm saying that we need to, I think we're a very long way away from having a an African currency, uh, like what you see in Europe, for example, uh, even the US dollar. The US dollar, if you look at the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy is literally 50 states, and those 50 states are like 50 countries, right, that have all come together and banded under these things. So having a a pan-African currency is nothing, it wouldn't be anything new, but we need to get uh, to grips with the problems that we each have at home first before we can uh, go out and then um, get together and make something happen. So that's been it. I'm just going to take a quick break and then we'll come to the end of today's show. The, the Business Buzz. Tell us what you think. Do you think the, the African economy, an African country, an African currency, sorry, regional integration, a pan-Africanist economic agenda is something that is workable, that is actually practical, something that is realistic? Let us know on Facebook. We are VARFM, that's Voice of Vits. And you can also find our other Facebook page that is the Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VARFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. And you can also stream the station live on VARFM 
www.vidstudio.co.za. Remember that podcasts of the Business Bus Show are available on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So that's been it. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening. Uh, thank you to our amazing team. Our technical producer is Kotlano Serame, uh, together with our executive producers that is Simba Honde and Glory Mabuza. Thank you to our producer, Lonwa Bosichebi, for holding it down for today. Don't miss the business by the same time, same place next week for more insight into um, the world of business. Up next on the VFM lineup, we have a living electro. Remember that the Business Buzz show is sponsored by ABSA. So for myself, Mudio Mob, Justice Kavaza, and the rest of the team, it's a good evening and take care. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.